delighted to welcome Scott Charlton, who, amongst other things, is a chartered accountant, financial planner, business coach, and also an author. Um, so, hi, Scott. Hi, Matt. It's great to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming along. So, hey, look, Scott, you've got many letters after your name, and I think that reflects uh, your your varied and interesting career. So, um, could you give us a little bit more background about um, about that? Yes, happy to. So, uh, the Reader's Digest version is 20 years in the accounting profession, uh, worked with some of the big firms, uh, did the uh, usual stint for an Australian accountant, sort of a working honeymoon in uh, the UK, uh, worked for a small firm, uh, then uh, hung out my own shingle uh, for 10 years, and then the final four years, I was actually in a, a three-person partnership in the Brisbane Seat CBD. Um, along the way, I started to realise that I, I had a, uh, a real interest in uh, how businesses were planning their future, uh, and that sort of led to my decision at a point in time to sort of call a halt to my accounting career uh, and to develop what is now a reasonably common term of business coach, but there, there wasn't such a term in in, uh, in those days. So what I, I, I sort of uh, call myself uh, is a business coach specialising in accounting and financial planning practices. I help them to become better businesses, uh, and my particular passion is having the two professions work together for the benefit of their end client. Uh, so uh, that's sort of the, the major part of what I do. I, I think I have an ability to analyse situations uh, and recall lots of incidences which uh, is reflected in some of the writing that I've done. Oh, thanks for that, Scott. And um, yeah, just on your writing, um, so you've written a book about professionals in practice called Your Professional Headspace um, and, and I've read through that and I think it takes quite a different approach to other business books. Um, so, you tell us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. Uh, and this sort of came out of the interaction I was having with the principals of the firms that I was coaching. And let's just say that, that you're one of those practitioners, Matt. And we, we meet uh, today and we have a really great conversation about the potential in your business and the sparks are flying, the ideas are generating, and, and at the end of that, we've, we've sort of come up with sort of like a, a bit of a plan in terms of, of taking your business forward, uh, and then I come back sort of maybe two weeks later, or a month later, or even six months later, and I say, Matt, so, so how would you get on with those great ideas? And we know they are great ideas, Matt, because, hey, you and I came up with them, uh, but by and large, the sort of typical uh, reaction I would get would be the practitioner sort of mumbling through a few excuses and the net result was nothing had happened. And I thought, well, is that my role in, in life is to be the warm feelings guy? Because if it is, it's all a bit hollow. Uh, and what I was looking to do is, is make real change. So I thought, well, look, why is it that you, Matt, haven't I implemented these ideas? And one of the conclusions I came up with is, is that if you are in some way distracted, uh, may, maybe you're going through a partnership upheaval 
or if you're considering whether you should continue renting your office premises or buy some premises down the road, or if your health is in the toilet, or if there's problems on the home front, then it's really a, ma a bit of a lottery in terms of what we uh, get, get implemented. So the first port of call uh, in any business development program for your practice, Matt, is I think let's have a good look at you, what, what's going in your mind, what's, what's your headspace. Uh, so uh, the, the book is, is actually designed to look at sort of the things that a, a practitioner will typically go through in their professional life cycle uh, and provide some insights about that uh, because if we've got you in a happy place, uh, then the business will necessarily sort of have a much better chance of going forward. Yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. I guess it's like, um, I suppose I think of sporting analogy where um, you could tell, let's say, a rugby player all the technical things that they needed to do, but if they're not fit enough to play, then it, it goes out the window, right? So um, I guess I saw a lot of this was about, um, you know, well, you cover physical fitness as well, but also kind of um, being mentally prepared to to do great things. Yes, that's that's right, and it, it comes down to sort of the, I, I guess, the reality that in your practice, Matt, uh, you are, if not the most, you, you are one of the most um, valuable assets in in the business. So so let's look at getting the most value out of of that that, that we can as a senior practitioner. I, I, I think that if, if you're in a good place, uh, then the firm is going forward and, and lots of things flow from that. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, the chapter that really stood out for me was um, one called A Great Day at the Office. And, and you mentioned that when you are coaching um, accountants, that's one of the, the primary questions that you answer them is, what constitutes a great day in the office for you? Um, be interested to know what what's the usual response you get, or you know what are some typical responses that that come back to that question. Almost universally, Matt, people sort of like in a very sort of uh, half joking, half serious manner, they say, "When I'm not there," <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is actually sort of like you go, "Well, I, I kind of get that." It's it's like I mean, if if the whole thing is working so well that you can afford to take more time away from the office, like that is a good day at the office. Um, so, so that was a good response that I, I, I get. Uh, and in the research for the book, I, I asked lots of people that question. Um, but if you probe deeper, um, then, then to, to me, that there were a number of, of themes that, that, that emerged. Um, what practitioners typically like is a collection of activities doing their thing in client meetings, uh, engaging uh, with new clients, uh, and that, that particularly sort of bring, brings a heightened uh, uh, sense of, of bringing all your resources and your faculties to bear in that, that, that situation. Uh, completing a major assignment, uh, that's, that's sort of very satisfying and not just the least because, well, typically that means we can raise an invoice. Um, uh, mentoring, I, I think part of the deal in professions and certainly so in the accounting profession is that, is, is that you give back to the, to the next generation and people get a lot of satisfaction from, from, from doing that. 
um, collaborating and facilitating with other practitioners, be it financial planners or lawyers, etc., uh, so that their clients sort of gets a complete solution. Um, and then I, I think the other thing is is that sort of being drawn to learn uh, things that can be applied uh, to a range of situations. So your professional knowledge is increasing. So, so I'd have I have lots of conversations, but there, that's one thing. Uh, there is a subset, and it's a very small subset uh, of practitioners who who aren't that way, and kind of their interest is in more in running the business and sort of more the entrepreneurial and all the managerial activities that are behind the scenes, uh, and they're less enamoured with the client contact. Um, in my observation, uh, they they form sort of quite separate groups. It's it's hard to be uh, the best at each and and at the best of each simultaneously. Uh, so, so most will go into the former group, uh, and the others will go into the latter group, but uh, they're the themes that, that emerge from, from that question. Okay. And, um, you know, I suppose from my experience working with a lot of accountants, certainly um, they would often say, I wish we had more time to work with clients, help them with their business, um, get really deep on those things, like you say, you know, really come up with a, a comprehensive solution for them. Um, but that's normally couched in the in the terms that I wish we had more time to do that. Um, so I guess if that constitutes a great day in the office, um, but, but that isn't happening all the time, what, what are the roadblocks? What's preventing, um, you know, that those activities happening? Yes, that's that, that's a good a good question. Um, so, I, I guess sort of there is a philosophy that that, that I have here, Matt, and, it, and it's it's based around the uh, the senior practitioner and particularly the working owners of of the businesses. So, look, it's your business. So, why don't we structure it so that sort of like you you are ac actually sort of at your most productive, and 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 we we organise the other bits. Uh, around that central premise, um, and I, I, I like your uh, sporting analogy. Uh, I, I think that that can be quite insightful. Uh, one uh, sort of sport that sort of resonates with me is is cycling. And if you look at sort of the um, uh, the, the the sort of the teams that sort of comprise, say, the Tour de France, uh, there's nine guys of which one is the leader. Uh, and the mission of the other eight guys is to get that guy on the winning podium. Um, uh, and so they sacrifice themselves. They, they fetch water bottles. They collect jackets. They'll give the leader their bike if mid-race if necessary. And yet if you look at the um, what actually happens in a professional practice, um, I, I think you find sort of uh, a lot of practitioners are so obliging. Uh, they're so able to be distracted or, or, or interrupted. They're so keen to sort of show that they, they too can put their shoulder to the wheel so you see them at the photocopier and doing all sorts of things uh, as opposed to sort of that, that winning model that you can see in, in sports such, such as cycling. So, so I, I, I think uh, distractions, uh, I call it delegation upwards uh, where, where sort of you know, a practitioner might sort of say, "Oh, look, leave leave that with me," and sort of like we've we've actually landed up with another big file on on, on our desk, uh, and then sort of interposed in amongst all that, there's a lot of responsibilities. The higher up you go, the more you know about your chosen profession, 
the more you actually end up sort of getting lumbered with management responsibilities or things for which you have had no training, e.g. marketing or HR, um, or, or you're papering over some sort of organisational deficiency. You're making do without an assistant or you really could have employed a, a, an undergraduate to help with things but you're making do. So, so, so your day gets filled up with activities which are sort of not really making the best use of, of, of your skills. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so that's where I, I think a lot of the time disappears, uh, where, whereas these, these are situations of our own making or it's defaulted that way uh, without any great sort of sense of, of a, a greater purpose that we could be doing, which is to make the most of these sort of really valuable assets, which is the senior practitioners in the firm. Mm-hmm. No, certainly. And um, one thing that um, reading that chapter got me thinking about was that, um, so you talk about um, not delegating. And, and one of the things you mentioned is certain functions like uh, like writing a newsletter. So so that would be something that's quite close to, to what we do at Bizzing. Um, yes. And, and it kind of reminded me that, you know, look, that a lot of um, – Accounting firms, um, accountants are doing all the jobs of, of uh, all the functions of a business, um, whereas, you know, it may be better to have, for example, a trained manager to come in and manage the business or a trained marketer to come in and do that. But you've got somebody who's a trained accountant who spent, you know, many years training to, to have a kind of a specialized skill set and they're, for example, um, writing an email newsletter. Which is which is not to say you shouldn't do that if that's something you enjoy and you have time to do it. But um, I guess what I'd be interested to know is your thoughts on um, you know um, should firms look to bring in outside people who who aren't accountants because I don't think you often see that. Uh, that's that's a fair observation. Um, uh, anyone other than a fee. Uh, charging accountant is is tended to be looked at as a grudge purchase, mm -hmm. where in actual fact what you've actually got is is uh, uh, this this uh, very specific sort of specifically trained person sort of having to be a, a, a generalist and cover cover lots of bases, uh, and and it, it just makes no 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 sense. Um, my personal experience is, is having worked for a, uh, a company which specialised in coaching uh, accountants, uh, which started out as, as a micro business and grew to sort of like something much, much bigger. Um, I was the only sort of uh, full-time employed coach, uh, and yet in that same organisation was, was a marketing department, a sales department. Uh, and the whole orientation of, of the firm was was um, uh, di directed at, at uh, along corporate lines uh, and and for ambitious growth targets, uh, and growth that sort of is simply not possible uh, in the way that a, uh, a professional services firms and lots of accountants are, are structured, which is actually sort of focused on the factory. Uh, is not, not focused on, on actually sort of like bring, bringing the, the work into the factory, uh, making the factory more efficient, uh, or indeed how to, 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 to run it and support the factory. Uh, and, and so that, that sort of tends, tends to sort of mean that, that sort of people in the factory are doing all these other tasks 
and, and doing them uh, suboptimally. Uh, the, the newsletter will like that that to me is 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 a no-brainer. So like engage people who are really good at that stuff. By all means have input, uh, but a better use of your time is 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 in many other things where where clients will actually see see yeah sort of the the value of your interaction. Um, the, the the newsletter is is it's good to do. It's a valuable service, but the accountant should should actually not be doing the writing of it, in my view. Yeah, sure. Um, do you think um, that the um, so you mentioned that if it's not um, um, if if people aren't fee earning, then um, you know it's seen as a grudge purchase. Do you think that's um, a legacy of the billable hour? Um, and, and billing for time in that way, and if people maybe move to, to value-based pricing, um, the whole shift of the business model changes um, and, and, and kind of opens up different kind of thinking about how you staff your business. That's definitely part of it. Uh, I think that that uh, will, will actually sort of free up some thinking. The other concept that I'd like to share is, is actually the organization chart of, of the business. Uh, and what I like to do is, is overlay a sort of a, a, a general chart over, over a firm. Uh, and my chart actually has uh, a, a board of, of directors, um, uh, a CEO, sort of somebody who's responsible for making sure that the, the plan approved by the board is, is implemented. A department which is 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 all about sort of developing intellectual property, uh, a marketing department which is responsible for sort of articulating what it is that the firm does differently, uh, an area which is responsible for for client engagement or or, or sales. Um, so you have very specific responsibilities, uh, and and what I find is is that if you actually sort of examine the business, you'll sort of in, in that light. Uh, you'll see where there's some gaps that emerge. How you fill that is up to you. Whether you sort of uh, hire people specifically, or and or engage third parties to fill those 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 gaps. But if if you don't actually have a name in those boxes, then then you won't actually sort of uh, sort of get maximum out, out outcomes. Uh, alternatively, if if you if you do actually have people who have responsibilities. Uh, in those areas, and they are reporting back to the CEO, who's ultimately accountable to the board. Uh, then, then sort of there, there, there is a sort of much more robust platform. Now, it's grandiose um, in some ways if you're sort of talking about a micro business, but uh, the same rule applies as to whether it's sort of like a one or two man band or, or sort of like a sort of a much larger professional practice, say with multiple offices and different sort of specialties. Uh, those roles don't change. It may be that uh, in a small firm, one person uh, has their name in multiple boxes. Uh, in a large firm, it may be that uh, there are multiple names in one box, uh, but the principles are still still the same. You need that, that structure. So the mindset, yes, of, of a value-based thing uh, is very important. Looking at areas where you can provide more value and, and build perhaps based more on value but sort of also with that organisation chart would, would be sort of part of the mix, I think. Mm, that very much reminds me of a um, very famous business book, The, the E-Myth, um, which, which, you know, the key message from that is about how to work 
um, on your business and not in your business. And, you know, they suggest even if you're starting off on your own, you, you draw your organizational chart of how you want your ideal business to run. And, you know, day one, you're in every single box. But then as you add people, you have that structure that you're adding people into, um, you know, so you're not just doing things in an ad hoc way. Yes, I remember uh, when I first read that marvelous book, uh, I, I was sort of running my own uh, micro accounting firm and it was like a big smack in the face, Matt, uh, because I realized that, uh, yes, I was that technician and, and I think we uh, naturally tend to drift into sort of like the factory operations, the technician as, as Gerber calls it. Mm. Uh, so. So the realization came that I'd been working really hard, and I don't think anybody could have worked harder, but working on the wrong things. Uh, and so that was a, a, a startling realization, uh, the concept of, of working on the business so, so that other people can, can actually do, do the things as you want them done, uh, which in turn frees, frees you up as a senior practitioner to work on, on higher level things and and, and what I, I sort of firmly suggest is, is to sort of be spending more of your time uh, with the clients that matter, uh, talking to them about what their issues are, that, uh, that, that will be good for the clients and, and, and good for you as a practitioner. Mm-hmm. So, so you mentioned like uh, working in um, what you describe as a micro firm, and I think, you know, quite a few of our listeners are going to be in that situation and perhaps are thinking yeah this is all well and good if you've got you know several partners and and you know various managers and accountants in the firm but but how do I you know kind of maybe it's just me and a couple of others um start to implement this 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 kind of approach um what would be some I mean I suppose what would be some practical tips they can take on board and also um you know how expensive does this need to be yeah, look, perhaps I can best illustrate that by way of an example. Uh, it's a financial planning example, but I'm sure accountants listening to this will, will appreciate the, the concept. Uh, so I was talking to a, a financial planner, uh, and his situation was that there were, there were two, two uh, client-facing planners in, in his business, him and um, uh, a lady planner, uh, and they got talking one day about, about sort of like what they did and didn't like about their their respective roles, which is like to take a client from the initial sort of discussions, bring them on board as a client, and to the point where they're actually sort of part of of an ongoing service. Um, and Neil, the, the 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 planner, was sort of saying he just loved the upfront bit, the sort of talking to clients uh, about the big picture, uh, what they're looking to achieve, uh, winning their confidence and actually sort of concluding the engagement, that sort of they were the things that, that he he really the most in, in enjoyed. And the remainder of it in sort of terms of sort of nutting out the detailed strategies, uh, holding the client's hand through the sort of the transition process and implementing the sort of the, the policies and, and uh, investments was just stuff that sort of really sort of he just found was, was overwhelmingly sort of te- tedious. Um, Whereas the, the lady planner was, was kind of like a mirror image. Um, the whole sort of engagement and the sales aspect sort of just sort of 
she, she she really was not drawn to that. In fact, sort of just sort of tend to avoid it and and wasn't very good at it. But once a client had sort of said, "Yep, line, line me up," and in terms of 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 uh, the remainder of of the engagement piece, very happy. So they actually sort of split the the the, the role uh, down the middle. Uh, so, so instead of just doing 50% of the things that they like, and the other 50% doing stuff which is very tedious, they're basically doing 100% of those things that they 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 do like to do. Um, so, so they didn't require employing anybody new; it was just reassigning responsibilities. Um, so, so there might be plenty of of situations uh, in in a, a listener's firm. Where people are doing things they don't like to do, and and yet other people would like to have a go at it. So, so sort of getting some clarity a, a, around where people's strengths are and fitting them into the different boxes on the org chart uh, could could be sort of r really very uh, enlightening uh, and liberating uh, for, for for everyone concerned. Okay. Um. I suppose while we're talking about specialization, one of the things that you mention is. Um, yeah, like niching or, or focusing on particular industries as a way that a firm can get more focus. And um, I was at ZeroCon in Denver earlier this month and I was talking to a lot of US firms and a niching or niching as they call it um, was a very hot topic. Um, so, you know, look, chatting to one really successful firm over there and they only work with design agencies and, and he caps his client base at 40 businesses. He doesn't need any more than that to have a hugely successful practice. Um, and that means he can get to know them intimately and he can give them amazing service. So, you know, that can be done and it can be done really successfully. Um, two questions on that. Um, I guess one the U.S. is a, is a very big country, uh, and perhaps that makes it easier to focus on, you know, on one niche or a single industry. Um, so my first question would be: Do you think that's possible in Australia and New Zealand, where the combined population is is about half of California? Um, second question <laughs> yeah. would be: um, If a firm is going to start down that journey, um, whether you know. They're potentially going to have to um, sack most of their clients and find some new ones. Um, if you've got some tips on on you know how they could how they could start doing that, because you know I can see that would be potentially a very scary scary leap to make. Yes, yes. Well, look. Um, in answer to the first question, it is absolutely possible to uh, to have 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 a specialty, and and I really encourage listen to uh, find what that specialty or what the specialties are and some of it is actually self-selecting. Self uh, there's, there's no point faking this. Uh, holding yourself out to be a tax expert when like you, you really find reading tax journals very tedious, like that's not a great strategy. Holding yourself out to be uh, an expert or specialist in medical practitioners when when you've already got lots of those people in your client base, or or uh, to be a farming uh, specialist when you come from the land that you sort of like have a hobby farm yourself, uh, you're happy sort of going to agricultural shows uh, in your spare time because that's what you like to do. Uh, 
if there's sort of like a degree of personal interest and passion about it, then 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 that's clearly pointing you in a direction, uh, and I, I I think that. Uh, you, you will attract uh, inevitably the, the more that you actually sort of like uh, show, show that you have particular expertise and, and mark market that accordingly, the, the more you will you will make make your your own um, niche uh, come come true. In terms of actually how you uh, embrace this, uh, in in my young and enthusiastic uh, days um, when I sort of decided to sort of uh, uh, stop being a GP uh, accountant, just doing sort of in ordinary tax returns, and become more proactive in helping clients with their business. I actually ripped the band-aid off and uh, did that pretty quickly. I sort of just referred clients who didn't meet my criteria away. I didn't seek to sell them or anything. I just, I just sort of made this general announcement. Um, perhaps, <laughs> and, and it's still possible to do that. Um, a bit older and wiser these these days. Um, I would sort of say, look, you you can achieve really great results by building your expertise, um, uh, developing intellectual property, um, sort of having sort of really sort of quite well thought out uh, marketing pieces, um, strategy papers, um, video content, which actually sort of like sort of demonstrates that you have sort of some particular expertise that that meet needs of your chosen niche. Uh, you develop that and be sort of like looking to sort of prom promote that astutely in the right places in the right ways might mean that you you have a more soft landing than the than the rip the bandaid uh, approach. Um, a bit of horses for courses and and what I would encourage people to do is is actually sort of have a, an independent sounding board just to sort of uh, before you bet the rent on on a strategy or or how the strategy is implemented. You know, sometimes uh, very useful to to get a, a third party uh, to to just look over what what you're proposing to do, um, so so that sort of like it's it's sort of a, uh, a sustainable strategy that you're embarking on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I can certainly say, you know, obviously what we do through Biz Inc is we only do websites and online marketing for accountants, and having that clarity of of what you do is is certainly you know really helpful if we were just doing websites for businesses you know every man and his dog is doing that um and you know it's almost like by appealing to everyone you appeal to no one whereas we know exactly where our clients are hopefully we know exactly what they want um and, and it simplifies a whole lot of your decisions so um you know for, for somebody who's gone through that process i think um it's certainly worthwhile. Yes, that's one of the things that I admire most about the way that you operate, Matt. And uh, it's interesting how, how it develops, is, isn't it? That sort of um, uh, you might think, well, it's a really micro niche, but but with the joys of, of technology, I mean, you, your 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 market is is potentially uh, the, the the world, isn't it? Because uh, you, you can actually effectively work with a client uh, no matter where they're based. You can still give them great, great service. So um, uh, pursue your interests um, uh, is, is I, I think, the message we're, we're both giving uh, and it will lead you to interesting places. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, I'm going to wrap it up there, Scott. Um, I really appreciate you, you 
coming along for our first podcast. Um, I'm sure people are going to be interested in finding a bit about um, more about you and um, your professional headspace, your book. So um, what we'll do is include details of where to get it and how to contact you on our podcast page. That's great, Matt. I've, I've enjoyed the opportunity. And uh, yes, if, if, if uh, people have, have, have got a few points out of this that they're, they're going to implement, then the coach in me is feeling well satisfied. Awesome. Hey, Scott, thanks again. Um, and we'll wrap it up there. Mm-hmm.